Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. We're back, man. We're back here in Tribeca, the new home of police off the cuff. I'm Mark DeMeo, my partner in law enforcement, sitting two seats away, Bill Cannon. What's it's up, almost Bill? like Dave has his Coogan's uniform on. <laughs> yeah, right? <Doesn't> <laughs> <laughs> or Perkins. Or is that, or is that he's the, either owns, he either owns Coogan's or he works. He's the manager at Perkins. You ever go to Perkins in like Jersey and Connecticut? Or is this just the Irish colors? You just can't get away from them, you know? Plaid works. Never underestimate the power of plaid. I had a great intro, man. I was going to say all stuff oh, like a New, New York City legend, proprietor right. of Coogan's, and he had to oh, come I like Mark's better. Go ahead, Mark. <laughs> yeah, come in with a funny joke right off the bat. Ah, so that's how we're starting here. Uh, so anyway, you were telling a story about um, uh, we were on the break. That's the problem you run into because a lot of these stories on the break, they come out, and I'm like, shh, 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 save it for the show. Save it for the time. You're saying that having Coogan's uh, in that in that centralized area over there was a great thing for for um, neighbor. What was it? What were you saying? As a, as far as the police department was concerned, yeah. Well, I've always uh, asserted that the reason so many of the commanders and upper echelon members of the New York City Police Department did time as uh, uh, police officers in Northern Manhattan was because if they were able uh, to maneuver those shark-filled waters of northern Manhattan. They have so many different interest groups, so many different uh, uh, contingencies that have to be... uh, You mentioned uh, the Hasids. Well, uh, I don't know if they're Hasidic, but certainly Yeshiva University and ultra-Orthodox Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeshiva University. Not only uh, Yeshiva University, which... uh, Do they come in and get boozed up, too? I wouldn't say they get boozed up, but they, we certainly uh, get yeshiva students. They'll have lunch there. I don't know if you know that yeshiva uh, was in the uh, Division Three uh, uh, national championships last year, and we televised those games. On I didn't that. know that, but Whoa. that's great. That's great. Who's that competition? <laughs> I mean, really? don't ask the t- difficult question. <laughs> I, I uh, Division Three. Ever so, see on the airport? This is a. Great Jewish athletes, and it was like one one guy on it. Sandy Carfax, don't talk to me about it. So uh, you only not only do you have Yeshiva University up there, but you also have a very very large enclave of young uh, Orthodox Jews uh, on Bennett Avenue, uh-huh. uh, just uh, uh, north of 181st Street. There, Do they work for the hospital. You think? I, I I really don't know. I think most of them are uh, student scholars that are somehow connected to uh, Yeshiva. Uh, you have uh, African-American contingencies. You have Dominican contingencies, which is very, very powerful. But then also within the Latino group, you're now getting some more uh, Ecuadorians, Hondurans, Mexicans. Um, uh, you have not only the whites who never left inward with urban flight, mm-hmm. you have a huge influx of uh, gentrifying Whites moving mm-hmm. in, annoying you know what's funny that want to live up there. You know what's funny about that? You said the gentr- uh, the white flight when, with the white the white families that always stay. There's always white families that stay in these neighborhoods that change. You know they start getting bad, and those neighborhoods it's almost like um, you ever go into a Chinese restaurant they can speak Spanish, <laughs> one of those Cuban Asian places. Sure. And it Chino Latino. Yeah, yeah, Chino Latino. So you go in there and you're ordering Chinese food, but they also have another menu that with Spanish food too. Um, but if you want to speak to the Spanish, uh, you want to speak Spanish to the Chinese guy, he'll speak Spanish right. to you and it's it amazing. bugs you out. You know what I'm saying? That's the same thing what it's like when you talk to one of these white families or the white kids uh, from uh, those families that didn't leave. They speak ghetto. <laughs> like <laughs> They don't speak. Not, you're not talking to like a white well, kid you know, If you anymore. went to the 3-4 squad, all the white guys spoke Spanish. Uh-huh. It may have been little pigeon Spanish, but they spoke enough to get by. I was always impressed with that. You know. Well, I can think of one Irish detective uh, who never let on that he spoke Spanish. Yeah, I know who you're talking yeah. about, too. And uh, he would sit and uh, uh, 
perpetrators would talk to each other and get their stories straight, and he'd be writing away, pretending, because nobody would think that this guy was Spanish. fluent yeah. in Spanish. Oh, that's great. I used to do that with lineups. There would be five cops that are fillers, but they're in regular clothes. And the perp would know that they were cops. He'd be like, those two fuckers are the ones who locked me up. Yeah, I stuck the gun and they did tell the whole story and they were all cops. They were like, hey, thanks for the statement. Then he'd see them come back in their uniforms. He'd be like, oh, no. <laughs> so you're saying that the, 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 any of uh, the bosses that can navigate that, um, that melting pot that's up there. Well, at just the recently, I mean, uh, Nick Estevillo for many years was the commander of the 3-4, eventually became Yeah, uh, I worked with his, uh, his, his... Joe son. Esposito, who was uh, chief of the department for so many years, mm -hmm. he, he was commander of the 3-4 uh, precinct. Uh, I mean, I think Gary McCarthy, uh, who commanded the 3-3 precinct, then went on to be a deputy police commissioner. Then the In Chicago, yeah. Newark, Chicago. Baltimore. You know. Tell me about what it was like uh, at Coogan's during the Washington Heights riots. Wow. Good question. Okay, so that was the 4th of July weekend. We had Michael O'Keefe in here, by the way. And he's good friends with Michael. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was 4th of July weekend, 1992? Two, yep. 92, yeah. okay. So uh, I believe I was off that weekend, and I saw good it on call. the Good call. Another one of those well, Cape Cod escapees. Huh? No, we, <laughs> I, I mean, I rushed in right away um, because we, we had to figure out what we were going to do with the situation. Um, was Coogan's threatened at all? Here's what happened. We got approached by a very, very reasonable um, Dominican leader, and he said, look, we won't be able... They were marching up St. Nicholas, so we did have that little barrier between us, right? Uh, and they were setting all the garbage cans on fire as they went up. And uh, a very responsible Dominican leader said, listen, close up, don't be... Uh, don't stay open. Right. And uh, we talked about it, and we said, no, we should, we should stay open. Then, uh, as it turns out, as the shifts changed and stuff, and people mm -hmm. were working up there, they were bringing cops in from all over the city. I think they brought 4,000 yes, cops into yeah, uh, yeah. Washington Heights. It was a war zone. <laughs> there was no place for them to eat. Right. So we were open. We sort of became a command center, uh, uh, and we kept things going. Uh, we had very, very good relationships with the uh, Dominican leadership. Um, and I know we were somewhat uh, responsible for bringing together one of the Dominican leaders, um, Dominican community leaders, not yes. the same one of the leaders of the, uh, of the riots, one of the community leaders, uh, and uh, uh, the commander of the 34th Precinct at the time, Nick Estevillo. And uh, I know we were able to give them a little spot where they could sit down and they came up with something. But yes, the next day, the uh, riots uh, ended. But it was a very, very scary time. And uh, Was that the right decision to stay open, you think? Well, looking back on it now, uh, we had no damage. We, uh, uh, we kept the trust both of the Dominican community and the police department. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we served a purpose for, for both communities. Mm -hmm. And uh, that would make for I, I, I got to tell you, I, I got to tell you, the Dominican leadership uh, has grown so much over the years that I think all those relationships are much, much better now. You run Coogan's like community policing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know, it'd be, be a, uh, Rashad, this would be, that would be a great premise for a movie. I mean, think about it. Like the movies, the movie would be called Coogan's, but at, at the, you, you take it through a historical point, something where something major happens, and it's it's between gangs and cops, and all, and the the one place that all these meeting the meeting takes place that's going to solve this, and where it gets heated, and and is the local place, that local pub, and the owner is the one probably uh, you know getting people to come in and talk in some well, way. Well, I, I I one of my favorite uh, uh, quotes: uh, the Baltimore Sun, for whatever reason, came and did a uh, article on uh, Coogan's. And they interviewed Guillermo Linares, who was a, a Dominican le community leader at the time. That's my name in Spanish. Guillermo. William. There you go. Right? And uh, <laughs> he said that uh, uh, the reason the Coogans and the Dominicans got along so well is because Dave and Pete thought the Dominicans were only dark-skinned Irish. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So, that's funny. You know, you talk about that neighborhood, but that's where my parents met. And I'm half Dominican and half Czech. My mother's from Czechoslovakia. My father's Dominican. And Mark the male is not even my name. My real name is Madjo Banex Sanchez. Can you say that? 
Have you ever met? Have you met? You said. Let's give him that Dominican test. No, he really said, is. You said Guillermo pretty good. Majuan X. Okay, that's well, my we're gonna try it. Let's move on. He said, "That's my real name, my Juanex Sanchez, and that's why I changed it because that name sucks." <laughs> Just difficult. Difficult yeah, to listen, say. Uh, you, oof, you well, D- Dave, one of the things too that that's so interesting, and it goes with the whole theme of everyone's welcome at Coogan's, is that blues, salsa, and shamrocks race you have every year. That was Peter Walsh's uh, concept. Tell us about that. Okay, this, this is great because I get to blues, sing. Blues, salsa, and shamrocks. Blues? Salsa blues and shamrocks. Salsa blues. So that, um, I like to speak about this because I had nothing to, to do, do with it. it. And I can praise Peter without, you know, mm-hmm. seeing, seeming that uh, I'm sing, praising myself. So Peter had this idea to take the streets back, to show the people in Washington Heights that Washington Heights was a good community that was safe, secure, uh, and uh, all-inclusive. What was going on during this time that he had a feeling like he had to do something like this? Well, this was, I think, 1995 or 96 that he started it, so it was. We, we're still in the aftermath of this uh, distrust between the sure. Dominican community and the uh, police department. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, Peter started this race, and uh, I, I wouldn't say begrudgingly I was uh, uh, involved in it, but uh, I was not optimistic that this would be a big success. And I remember driving over the bridge, and as I'm dr- approaching the bridge, because I live in New Jersey, as I'm approaching the bridge, I hear uh, 1010 winds say that the local entrance off the GW bridge is closed, for the Coogan, Salsa Blues, and Shepherds. Wow, wow. Whoa, this is pretty good. right? <laughs> so I continue on to Amsterdam Avenue, hook around, and when I get uh, back into the area, I see uh, they have this big thing of, uh, of balloons all tied together at the finish line. I mean, mm-hmm. this is very professionally, very professionally done. And I think... There's the people first, running and stuff? Well, I mean, <laughs> they're going to uh, start off... Um, and it was uh, 169th Street north to Fort Tryon Park, turn around and come back. So the, the race was on Fort Washington. They had a permit for it, the whole bit and everything like that. Victor Mendoza from the 20, uh, 33rd Precinct was very helpful laying out the maps so we could get a permit. Um, and this was an event. I think the first Sunday uh, was 1,700 runners. Wow. wow. So... These oh, runners are out deal. of their mind. Did they get, they get up early. <laughs> so I'm an alternate, by the way, for the New York City Marathon. You didn't know that, did you? Bill Excellent. didn't even know. Yeah, Excellent. I'm an alternate. I what I do is every marathon I sit and I wait. You know, I, I carb up the whole year round, and then if they if somebody doesn't show up for the race, they, <laughs> <laughs> I, I throw my shorts on. I run out. There. I fill in. Just wave and then drop <laughs> out of the race. Nobody ever calls though. So uh, Peter also wanted the uh, children of the neighborhood to be involved in this. So he had, after the adults ran the 5K, uh, he had kiddie races. That's three, great. Three That's and four-year-olds. And it was, it, was just, it was just terrific. And then it grew and grew. Then it became a sellout. It, I think the, the permit allows for 6,000 runners, and it capped out at 6,000 wow. all the time. That's wow. amazing. That's amazing. Um, yeah. We ran it until about 2014. It was the Thursday before the race. We, I believe we gave the city of New York a $5,000 fee uh, to, for their general fund or whatever. And uh, the Thursday before the race, uh, the city called and said, oh, listen, uh, the rates have changed this year at $60,000. Oh, so it went from $5,000 to $60,000. We got Congressman Charlie Rangel involved in it. Uh, he called down. He said, listen, they call it a race. He says, but this is a community event. So it was the police department who sets that fee. And they said, okay, this year they can uh, do it for the fee of $5,000, but tell them next year to be prepared to spend the $60,000, which is not what we're no, into. No. So we gave it over to New York Roadrunners, uh, and they still they renamed it. Um, what do they name it now? Washington Heights 5K. I think Salsa Blues and Shamrocks, which represents so many of the different uh, mm-hmm. ethnic groups in uh, Washington Heights was a better name, but they chose to call it the Washington Heights 5K, and it still sells out every year. It's a dynamite, dynamite uh, day they, in Washington. They charge them 60K, though? $60,000? Well, I, I, I do not know this for a fact, but yeah. I think uh, New York Roadrunners 
has many, many fees that they have to pay, and then maybe it comes under an umbrella and gets reduced yeah. to something. That's but I would imagine initially low. there probably wasn't a, a like a, the the runner's fee to get involved in that probably was peanuts in the beginning, and now it's probably like maybe twenty five for thirty dollars, or maybe you got to get people a bunch, ten, twenty people to donate for you to run and stuff like that. So I'm not sure what money. the uh, entrance fees are now. I think uh, at the time... If you uh, think about the amount of cops and the overtime that's going to go huge. into it, it's, it's, it's huge. It's not even... I don't even know where the money goes. You can't yeah. even wipe your, your head with it because yeah. it's nothing compared yes. to how much money that, you're going to spend that day. Would that uh, help your true. business a lot that day? Well... Oh, a little bit, right? <laughs> not really. No? Because what we would do is we would have an open house and just invite people in, no charge. Wow. So this would be our St. Pat. It was always the, uh, originally it was the... What do you mean no charge? No okay. charge for what? Okay. So originally the race was the Sunday before St. Patrick's Day. Mm -hmm. But then with the Armory, the Indoor Track and Field Center, they now have the National High School Championships the Sunday before St. Patrick's oh. Day. So we had to move it to the first Sunday in March. Mm -hmm. So uh, the race would be over. We would have an open house. Uh, you'd have free uh, beverage, free food. Right, mm -hmm. just come in. It was a celebratory. I'm coming thing. that day. When is it again? So, <laughs> since we gave it over to New York Roadrunners, we were said, "Now what are we going to do?" Mm -hmm. Right. So it wouldn't benefit us to have uh, a yeah. free thing. So what we did was we don't charge the charity, but we give it to a charity to run. Mm -hmm. So that they collect twenty five dollars at the door. You get uh, two drinks. You get your food. And uh, you have a good time afterwards. Still a they, great they get a little you give it back to the community, right? Still a great they get deal. a little fundraising. That's excellent. Yeah. It's not a bad deal. So when is it again? So we can uh, always the first Sunday in uh, March. First Sunday of March. So if you're a runner out there, or uh, it's already sold out this year. Oh really? Yeah. Damn it! You weren't gonna sign up anyway. Don't act like you were. Well, like I said, I'm always <laughs> included because I'm an alternate. I take my job very seriously. By the way, like I said, I carbo load the whole year, and I'm waiting by the phone. <laughs> How about the Armory now? That's that's an amazing thing. They have the National High School Track Championships there all well, the time. Well, if you've not been in the Armory in the last 20 years, it is a completely re... The upper portion, the track portion, yes. is a completely redone, world-class, state-of-the-art indoor track facility. It's wow. just a you got to check it out. I used to go there when I was a kid, I remember, because my uncles used to run track. Ah, yeah. They went to a George Washington High School. Oh, very good. I didn't even know. No, John, well, John F. Kennedy High School. Um, so that brings us a lot of uh, business in uh, in January and February, which is the height of the indoor track, track season. season. Yeah. And that's great. It's just high school, not college? No, they do colleges. They do opens. They do masters. They do a full gambit of uh, the track and wow. field world. Yeah, and anything that has to do with that, because like you said, it's the Milrose Games, which used to be held in uh, Madison Square Garden, yes, is yeah. now held in the Armory. That's great. That's and, great. Uh, Probably the most famous individual race in the United States, maybe the world, is the one to make a mile that that's now yes. running the... Uh, mm -hmm. I love the, the tra uh, track and field, especially now that they included the transgenders. <laughs> I love to see those <laughs> girls get the rest beat, man. <laughs> I'm like, you go, dude, that's my man. There's <laughs> nothing better than watching a guy beat a girl, man. Right? Isn't that great? <laughs> well, you were saving that joke. I did that. <laughs> man, just... I just thought of it. It's like, so. <laughs> hey, did Peter ever run that race? So he's just, he was just. No, Peter was, in, uh, Peter has run marathons, but uh, he's never run that race because he was the main guy uh, at that. I've run the race uh, uh, twice, uh, the no 5K. Well. Um, I've not gone over a 5K distance, but. Uh, I've no, that's good, man. I've done the I can't 5K do twice. it. You got me beat. Well, you lost a lot of weight in the last few years, right? Uh, at one point I did, now I'm putting it back the other way, now I'm trying to go back down go the back other down. way. Yeah. It's always a struggle, right? It's a struggle. At two and, and, you, and you don't drink, so you got to be eating a lot of hot dogs. At 2 o'clock in the morning, if you're hungry, sugar. I have good access to uh, <laughs> popping you food. You work in the late, other. too. You go to Coogan's late at night sometimes, right? Sometimes. I'm trying to cut back on that and try to. I I'm, remember I, I would be, be there and I'd see you walk in at like 1 in the morning. What the hell is he doing here? Oh, that was a surprise. What the hell are you doing What the hell are you doing here? What am I doing? My wife's going to see this. She's going to go, What were you? I was on overtime, sweetheart. <laughs> we made a call. Well, that was the time we grabbed America's Most Wanted. I was celebrating. <laughs> yeah, how many dates have you used for that? <laughs> Do you ever jump behind the bar there? I haven't in years. Um, um, no, I'm just saying jump behind the bar and make drinks. Ten bar. He's a, he's a, no, no, he was a bartender. Uh, just you know, Extraordinary. Yeah. No, no, I'm just saying it's got to be He knows like, how to pour that Guinness. What is it? It's supposed to take like seven seconds or something? Oh, it takes, it takes longer than that. And... Uh, uh, there is a routine to it, and you can't be impatient for it because it does take, I'd say, about two minutes to uh, pour. No kidding. Yeah. You study that in Dublin? 
I did. You did the Temple Bar area. I did. <laughs> <laughs> How can you, uh, like, well, if somebody orders it, you can't really give them two minutes to, to, to sit there before, the, you know, when somebody's... If they know what a, uh, to drink, how to no. drink Guinness, and it's not, doesn't flow like regular beer. You have to let it settle, then you add on to it, then you add on to oh, it. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I like a nice... Uh, well, it's a black, heavy, black heavy and brown. Yeah. Actually, when I was drinking, I did not like Guinness. It was I really, didn't either. It's it too heavy for yeah, me. Too heavy. No. Uh, well, you can only have when I was in Ireland, I would drink Smithics. It was nice and light. Yeah. Yes, it's yeah. a lighter. Uh, but they also have the black and brown, right? Which yeah. is um, black and tan. Black and tan. Yeah, that's the way I like them. Not a big ass. Yeah, I've, been to, I've been to Dublin a few times. <laughs> <laughs> what are you shaking? I almost missed that joke. Black and tan. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's where you get up there, man. Girl, you look good. Won't you back? <laughs> it must be great owning a bar, man. I can't at, one, at one time, I think it was, we were uh, talking uh, before the uh, uh, the podcast uh, with Billy. In the old days, uh, almost every Irish-American uh, restaurant in the city worked on the same formula. You broke even in the kitchen. You made it up at the bar. Mm -hmm. All those places are out of business. All of them. There is no place that can work on that. Uh, why, why is that? Because now you got you to you make money on the food too now. You got to make money everywhere. You uh -huh. have to because there's money going out the door every single hour. Mm -hmm. You know, butcher, baker, candlestick right. maker, everybody gets paid. The labor isn't, is not that anybody's getting rich working in restaurants, but it's very expensive uh, to turn around and dole out, you know. What do you think, Dave, about the mandatory $15 minimum wage in the restaurant business? Okay, so... We have very few uh, people who make minimum wage. They all make over that, except for a few <laughs> kitchen positions, mm -hmm. right? The waiters do very well. The uh, bartenders. Is that with the tips included or is salary? No, it's you have to prove that um, all your employees make a minimum in a combination of salary and tips, okay. right? Of at least fifteen dollars an hour. Yeah, it's not a so problem. In that a business. dishwasher who works. Um, 50 hours, I think, makes, uh, let me see, uh, quickly doing the math, uh, I think he makes $800 a week, which would be 675 take home. It's mm -hmm. not bad. You need a dishwasher? Where, 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 are you going to, where are you going to live near Coogan's on no, 600? You got to share it. You got to bunk up. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, unfortunately, uh, either that gets passed on to the customer. Or you eliminate jobs or coordinate, you know, uh, blend jobs in together. It's just very, very difficult to make ends meet because there is not that huge overflow. Mm -hmm. um, uh, most res we most restaurants work on about, I think the national average is about 6% of their total gross goes to profit. So if you're not paying attention, that 6% is gone. Right, if 2% right, right. goes in the cost of, uh, if your cost of sales goes up 2%, if your labor goes up 2%, if your cost of occupancy goes up 2%, you're working your ass off and, and you're not making any money. Nothing. So you still live in um, Inwood? No, I live in um, River Edge, New Jersey, which is about eight miles over the George Washington Bridge. Mm. I always say it takes me... 50 minutes to get to work. And you live with, uh, what's that, that co is that the cop town over there? You live over there with Sylvester Stallone? <laughs> My next door neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that movie? What, what uh, was cop, it called? Copland. Copland. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely they were talking the about Pearl the, River. The cops, yeah. The exactly. cops liked Pearl you so River. much. Yeah, exactly. The cops liked them so much they let them move in over there. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about restaurants going to, to the no-tip thing and just pay higher per hour wages? And they just, well, they have to raise the prices commensurately a lot. Yeah. to yeah. cover that. A lot. There's a restaurant in Gramercy Park that does that. Yes, I think a lot of, uh, res I think a lot of restaurant workers don't like that right? Uh, because they get blended in with other uh, groups of workers who, and they think they well, what's do more the of the personal uh, contact You can be a really them. shitty waitress or waiter and still make the same amount of money. That's not fair either. That's when you pull the money. When they pull the money, I know waitresses and waiters hate that when they pull the money because they know the, the shitheads that they work with and that guy's not doing nothing over there. He, all he does is talk and go outside smoking cigarettes and I'm, I'm filling up the coffee on his table. You know, I'm giving the good hospitality. I should be making the t more tips. So nobody's really happy about that. Total valid argument. And then also, too, when you eliminate the tips, like t it's a culture here. I'm sure after a, a number of years, it would it would disappear that that sentiment because you'd have a new breed of workers. So like in Europe, they don't really tip, but over here, it's a culture. Tipping is a culture, and 
it makes people move faster. If no doubt it does. Yep. You know, no if you tip well, or if they have an idea that they're going to get a good tip, um, at least an incentive to uh, uh, work hard and give good service, and it also well, makes know, in this country a bartender can be a pretty decent job. It, it can, can make a decent oh, yeah, wage. Yeah, in like Europe, I, I don't think they really make much money tending bar. Well, right? a lot of those places they, they don't move that fast. They're not. They, they're going to make the same twenty bucks an hour anyway. Right. So what am I run, running around for? You know, there, there's so many stories. Uh, the, the Russian waitress sitting there in Russia, like, you know, we're just <laughs> smoking a cigarette while you're waving at it, and she's waving at your back. She'll get there when she gets there. Right, right. I like the tips. I like to know that if you were, you know, if you're good at your job of, and you don't mind being of service, that, you know, you get rewarded for it. The number one reason anybody comes into a restaurant or a bar like Coogan's is the hope that they're going to be recognized. And, uh, Tipping is one way that people get to know sure, you. And, sure. you know, mm -hmm. uh, hey, Bill, how are you doing right, over right. here? You know, mm -hmm. Mark, I got a spot in my section. You know, that yeah, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. sure. And uh, if it all is blended in, I think uh, a lot of that personal contact will be lost. Yeah, yeah. It's um, I, I listen. I've worked for tips most of my life, and I, and I you know, it's no, no. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. He did that I worked too. As, I, worked, I worked as a doorman, and I worked in restaurants before that too. So we're talking about places where you're working, working on tips, and uh, it's listen, you know, it it truly matters when uh, when it like for example, you forgot something, like am I gonna fuck this guy? You give me twenty five bucks for Christmas, or you run out, <laughs> sir, you forgot this, and they, you know they're on their way to the airport. That's their luggage. You know what I'm saying? It makes a difference. <laughs> yeah, it's a it huge difference. difference running down the block. Right. You know what I'm saying? But um, and I'm giving an exaggerated point, but. Uh, I, that's why I don't I don't agree with that hey, at all. If you've ever worked for tips in your life, usually you're an over tipper when yes. you uh, go to a restaurant or you know you're a good tipper. I'll put it that way, right? Yes. Because you know what it's like to work for tips. And I think you I think you're right. You over tip uh, when it's a uh, 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 good service and you tip well. Yeah. And even when so sometimes you get shitty service, you yeah. give them the twenty percent because you yeah. just it's not in you to. to Exactly. You know, punish them like exactly. that. You have a set schedule that you said because you said it come in there, you roll in there pretty late. What, what, you like I that? don't have a set schedule. We do a lot of catering, and it all, a lot mm -hmm. of uh, my schedule depends on the catering schedule. Mm -hmm. Also, you know the restaurant. Who are you catering to? What uh, hospital schools, stuff? Hospitals. Right? Hospital. Uh, we're on the health science campus of Columbia University, so that's uh, uh, a major client, Presbyterian Hospital. Uh, we do all sorts of. Uh, uh, catering events what's the specialties like on the menu if you haven't been to coogan's yet and you want to come in there and what can you expect well a lot of people always uh, uh like to uh, say that we have one of the best burgers in the city which i it think is, is a good is, burger is, is, is i'll true. say that uh, but also i love our shepherd's pie i love our fish dishes our original chef used to work at the seafair of the aegean on uh, 65th and third uh, avenue and uh he uh brought many of his skills and taught his underlings who are now in charge. Uh, uh, Is that what you call the Mexicans over there, the underlings? <laughs> <laughs> Mark. <laughs> well, that's what they do. The chef comes in and he teaches uh, the Mexicans how to cook the food. And then Nobody who's learning is ever an underling. You know, always moving you up. Know, you know, Pete's Tavern was always like, got a reputation as sort of like a, a lot of Italian food in Pete's Tavern. And all the cooks were Chinese. Yes. I was like, people would never know that. Uh, like this. And Pete's off also got hit a lot for having poor food. I never thought their food was poor at all. I thought it was yeah. uh, quite fine. Yeah, well, I'm not look. knocking it at all. Because let me tell you something. If you either see a Greek in the kitchen or you see a Mexican, either way, I'm happy. But all of a sudden, you start getting, uh, after that, I start getting a little nervous. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, well, I'm talking well, about I grew up in New York at a diner. That's what you see. Most of our cooks are Dominican. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, uh, originally, uh, uh, we have them from Tanaris, we have them from Nagua. Uh, from oh, Santiago. different parts of Dominican. Yeah. yeah. But our, our, our head chef for many, many years, who has since passed away, he retired and then he passed away, uh, Miguel de la Cruz, he was from Tanaris. Mm -hmm. A very, very proud Dominican from, ta from Tanaris. Now, how would someone go about getting a job at Coogan's? Is it sort of nepotism and they know somebody? Or? I'm going to tell you... I think 90% of all restaurant jobs are by opportunity. All of a sudden, you think you have a full staff, and you come in one day, and Susie's uh, got mm -hmm. a, a job uh, doing a play off Broadway, and Harry's uh, uh, 
off to do this, and uh, so-and-so has to go home to take care of a loved one, and all of a sudden you're three short. So what so, do you have, auditions and stuff for the girls? Is there a <laughs> date that <laughs> the girls can line up? <laughs> do you know what year this is, Mark? <laughs> oh, EEO is big in the restaurant business too, right? Oh, it's huge, man. It's huge. So um, uh, it, it's not so much planned Coming in, it's it's that opportunity. We need people. So right. it's a revolving door. People in the restaurant yeah. business yeah. come yeah. and they go, and yeah. they come and they go. So you're constantly hiring and, and well, we're hiring a, people too. Right? You like firing people? <laughs> Does he like it? I no, don't. I don't it's, like firing people, but sometimes it's necessary. Is that your job to do? Do you have a people? Do you have a way to do not, it? Not. Uh, uh, I will tell you one story again about Peter. Peter sat down with one uh, person and said, uh, listen, this isn't working. <laughs> it's not working. We can't be in the same place together. Uh, and she looked at him and she said, well, does that mean I'm leaving or you're leaving? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> well, actually, after that, we hired her back. We love her. Uh, she's great, but uh, that was her question. She was a little confused with Peter's mm -hmm. approach to uh, firing somebody. Well, That's how crazy. did you hire someone back that you fired? Oh, we do it all the time. We do it all the time. What do you mean? It's like a punishment? You're furloughed for a few weeks or what? Kind of, sort of. Yeah. Kind of, sort of. Well, then it's like the opportunity way you get comes up. And, uh, Sometimes you get suspended from a comedy club. You'll do something like you have a drunk night on stage. or <laughs> Yeah, it happens, man. And then all of a sudden, they'll be like, dude, you're suspended. Like, oh, don't, I don't want to see you here for a little couple of months. And then, you know, next thing you know, you're back. Yeah. You know, they've, they've, you know, since have been forgotten. I have been blessed in life. My personality does not remember bad things. It only remembers good things. So give me a little bit of time. I'm going to forget the bad things. And the restaurant business is very, like, um, when it gets busy, you know, it's, it's, it's so busy. It's so... 20 seconds is, a, is, is an eternity. Dr you know, it's, it's, you, you, it's adrenaline. You, you're nervous. You're trying to get everything done. And you get heated, and sometimes you'll get into a really uh, real argument. You see people getting killed, uh, dishwasher kill, killing the cook in the back. All the time it happens, you know, just in a flash second. You know, uh, you know, you hear these stories throughout time. Tempers flare in hot situations, as you guys must know from yes, uh, the absolutely. police department. But I always remember, I think, too, I think in the it's restaurant even worse business. in the restaurants. You know, especially, like, you know, you got these guys that are sweating back there, and they're yeah. fighting with the waitresses, yeah. and they're, they're playing little games with each other. Yeah, that's true. You know, holding on to their food or, or like putting it in a, a little bit wrong so the waitress gets all, there's a lot of tension back there in in the restaurant sometimes and it gets heated, especially when it's busy. But then you forget. When it slows down and you almost like forget. The tide yeah. subsides. Yeah. How do you, you stop the chef from drinking on duty? You gotta hire the right guy. Uh -huh. That's always right a problem. Guy. That's a problem in the yeah. restaurant business. But you right? got to hire the right guy. You keep your eyes open for all new employees. They usually set the pattern within the first 30 days. Right? What do they say? A, a new mops, oh, no, a, a new broom always sweeps good, right? <laughs> well, people don't go 30. If they have a drinking problem, they're not going to go oh, 30. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's a drinking drink. problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you allow your employees to um, drink at, at Coogan's? No, but they do. How about, I mean, can they come in when they're not working? No. They're not allowed But they do. Here. Okay. Uh -huh. It's a very tough uh, uh, thing to enforce, but uh, Especially if somebody's been there for years. I always tell people, it'll never, ever happen that I'm going to jump up the next day and say, oh, thank God Charlie was there at the bar. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah sure. Oh, you mean they came in and was having a drink and bullshit? It can only time. turn into, uh, uh, they can come in a hundred times and a hundred times will be fine. A hundred and one, they're going to get in a fight with a customer over something silly right. and uh, get me in the, in the middle of it, you know? Yeah, yeah, I would imagine that's a good idea. Why, but why would you want to be at work anyway? Who comes to work to hang out? Well, I got to tell you, our staff at uh, Coogan's is very much a family. A dysfunctional family, perhaps, mm -hmm. but very much a family. So, <laughs> uh, how, how are you with tabs? Like, can I run... <laughs> how long can I? How long when can I worked in Jimmy Days? How long can Detective Pat run a tab? <laughs> when I was working in Jimmy Days, I was told what a tab means is that there's a cover charge the next time you come in. So if you have a tab for fifty dollars behind the bar and you got a hundred dollars in your pocket, you say, "Should I go to this place or should I maybe let me go someplace new?" Uh -huh. So it, tabs don't bring people in; it keeps no, you absolutely. And the, oh, and the other thing is, as a bartender, a cardinal rule is never. Lend money to a customer. Correct. Isn't that the truth? Correct. Because he'll never see him again, right? You'll lose a customer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but and you'll also, lose your money too. Also, another aspect of uh, the modern bar and restaurant business is 
There are no tabs. Everything has to be settled at night. Yes. Everything has to be settled at night. Everything is computerized. Um, uh, back in the day, uh, there was a lot of ca uh, cash around. Uh, Jimmy Days didn't even do credit cards. When I worked in uh, Jimmy Days, there weren't even credit cards accepted. It was all a cash thing, but that was not uncommon in the uh, 80s. Now, we may go through uh, days where there is no cash spent. It's all credit That's cards. That's a lot of interesting, yeah. You know, do you have, um, you know, you're, I don't want to call them drunks, but they're, they're the regulars that are there all day, every day. You have that, like a, a, a local pub? Because I remember I used to go to a bar when I was a kid, and we used to hit this guy, we used to hang out in the... We don't have regular uh, uh, people who drink to excess. Not None of our regular... We have people who drink to excess, but they're not... Like they have, they, they come in every day, and they sit at the same part of the bar every yeah, day. But they don't drink to excess, uh, uh, really. Uh, we certainly have people who come in who are not regular customers who may drink uh, mm -hmm. too much sometimes. You ever have to, to tell the off. doctor, say, Doc, I, I think, don't you have surgery in a little while? <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me just take that one away. After the surgery, doctor, you come back, I'm going to hold it for As you right here. As a matter here. of fact, <laughs> we only have one doctor who does not care about being seen at the bar. He only drinks Diet Coke or Coke or whatever yeah. it is. Uh. But uh, if he comes in at lunch and it's uh, busy, um, he'll sit at the bar, have his uh, salad and... Uh, uh, a Coke, uh, but other doctors, they, they don't want to sit at the bar oh, because so. they may be misinterpreted as having... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Do they, that's, um, that's the greatest, one of the greatest hospitals in the world, too. Do they come in, with, cause they yes, come in there with, the, with the robe on the, or the doctor written on there? Apparently, the they're not supposed to, but they do. The scrubs, you mean? Yeah, because, yeah. you know, I mean, that's a good... That's a good, We want to talk about picking up chicks, man. You come in there with a freaking <laughs> doctor so-and-so. He wears those at, uh, at night. <laughs> and he's still a doctor. <laughs> and I used to tell girls I play on the Jets. <laughs> now, my friend Bobby used to do that. He used to tell me he was like... Nine, he used to make up some number, yeah, I'm 58 on the, on the Jets. So how are you going to know? The guy's six foot six. He looks like a football player. You can't see his face because it's in a helmet. You know, we're out in the I've never night. understood that about football players. They're the most unrecognizable people because the only time you see them, they, yeah. they have their helmets on. Yeah, that's true. A lot of them take it off like as soon as they can. They can't anymore, but they wanted to. They can't take it off on the field. They get a fine, but if once they get off the field. Yeah, sometimes they'll take that fine if it's a really good play. They want to see their face. So, uh, so, yeah, so that's a good look because I know cops, man. Cops come in there and they can't wait for the girl to ask them, you know, what, what is it that you do? Because you ask them, what do you do? Feign interest for a little while. And then they're like, what are you doing? They're like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a detective. Oh, my God, really? You're a detective? <laughs> well, we had a uh, regular customer who was in charge of dispatching the work crews for Time Warner, Time Warner Cable. Uh -huh. And he'd come in, sit down, let me see a menu. His name was, uh, well, I won't use his name. He may still be with Time Warner. Uh, People come up and say, oh, I'm having a problem. Can you take care of this? They just, right? He goes, I'll send somebody over. What time do you need? Four o'clock? I get him over there at four o'clock. So he'd take care of that. Yeah. So he was great. So some days he would be so, in, I mean, people would, there'd be a line waiting to talk to him. And he was a very, very nice guy, right? Uh -huh. And at the end of one day, he turns to me and he goes, next time someone asks me what I do for a living, I'm going to tell them I'm a cop. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but you know, the Dominicans, they talk. They'll be like, hey, you know, if you need a cable, the guy, he sits in there every day. You go talk to him. He'll fix it for you right away. You got GHI and health insurance. Well, the, <laughs> the, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a big thing with the, uh, we always joked around about that, but the doctor thing has got to be, what? Wow, that's a home run, man. I would wear that freaking thing with the doctor killed there. And, uh, <laughs> come in there, have my Coke by the bar. Oh, it's got to be like shooting ducks in a barrel, man. That's for sure. Do you notice any difference in the cops of 2019, 2020, as compared to the cops from the 80s and 90s and 2000s? Well, sure. The most obvious thing is in 1985, 86, 87, if 12 guys walked in, you could tell they were cops. Mm -hmm. They were 5 foot 10 to 6 feet tall. They were uh, 200 pounds. They were white. They were kind of Irish-American-y, mm -hmm. right? And now... Uh, it's a much more diverse police department. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I I told Adriano Espaillat before he was uh, in, involved in uh, uh, running for, uh, he's, he's been a state senator, he's been an assemblyman, but before he was elected to anything, I, I reminded him that, in so I was a sociology major in college, and uh, 
I reminded him that the rise to power of the Irish in New York political circles came after they got badges and guns. Is that true? If the Dominicans want political power in New York, go out and get badges and guns. And now the Dominicans are a very large portion of the... uh, uh, New York City. Well, Tam- I was one of the first Hall was down by 14th Street. Yes, exactly. Place, right? Yes. I was one of the first, um, and I'm serious right now, I was one of the first Dominican cops on the NYPD. As a matter of fact, I didn't even get a nightstick. I got a platano, a big one. <laughs> <laughs> I knew there was a punchline to that because you're not one of the first. I didn't even have the shiny shoes. They gave me chancletas. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, you speak any Spanish, Dave? Very little. I don't have a good ear for language. I, I, yeah. I struggled with uh, language in school. I just don't have a good ear for it. Yeah, I wish it is an ear because I can't do um, I can't do uh, dialects. You know, save my life. It's when I, not my forte. So if I ever do it in my act, it's always like in tiny spurts, two or three words. You get this. You, you get the laugh out of it. But I, you know, there's a, so it's the same thing with language. It's like either have an ear for it or not. I, they try to get rid of my regional dialect. I spend money on a speech coach, and um, it just didn't work. She said, oh, you're not practicing enough. I said, I practice every day when I'm at home, but I can't practice when I'm at work because I'm a cop. What am I going to do? Thou art under arrest. Come back here. You know? So That's really hard to get rid of an accent. It really is. Another yeah. thing that just popped into my mind, another thing that completely changed over uh, uh, all the years was many years ago, if there was an arrest made on the premises, that was a big, major deal. If the state liquor authority right, was involved, right. and that was stupid. It was stupid. Sure. If, you, if you need the police, you need the police, right? So that has eased uh, up. I, I tell the uh, uh, our staff, I said, if you ever feel yourself in danger, you hit nine one one. Right, sure. You know. And oh, so what you're saying is that back in the day, if there was a situation in the bar, you were hesitant to call the cops because either hesitant then they to call start the looking into the, your liquor license and all this exactly trying to punish right. you. The, the exactly right uh, for reaching out for help, which is yes. And uh, the other thing is that uh, you, if if you did have to call the police and they entered the place, you would have to hope that it was a, a reasonable enough guy who would write the episode sure. happening outside the place. Well, we, yeah, had, we was, had a bar in the corner of the 2-3 on 102nd Street, um, La Colina, and every night it was a bloodbath there. And for years, they got away with it. And then when Comstat hit, they started nuisance abatement uh, license premises. And you didn't get hit with that, them. did you? Uh, that, uh, that Bloomberg team of, um, uh, to me, that was a sham. That was disgusting. Closing up all the nightclubs in the city, that, uh, that team of, uh, we had a building, FDNY, cops. No, um, no, no. You know what I'm talking about, the task force. Yes, but I, uh, and I, it had an acronym. I can't remember what it was. But uh, Social Club Night, Night uh, Task Force, I think it was called. I will tell you, not too long ago, within the last two years, one of the retired guys was uh, uh, in Coogan's and we're talking. And uh, he said, oh, yeah, he says, uh, for a while, he says, I had that uh, task force that went around for uh, underage drinking. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, we've never had a problem with that here. He goes, oh, we were here many times. Mm-hmm. No kidding. Never knew it. I never knew it. So apparently what their protocol is, is they go to the door. If the doorman asks them for ID, mm-hmm. there is no, uh, oh, it's raining out. I left it in my car. It's three blocks away. They say, no, I'm sorry. I don't have an ID. Sorry, you can't come in. Right. So it never got off uh, base one. That's good. It's good. Yeah. You have to have yeah. a guy, a good guy at the door. Yeah. And so many, I, I, I do tell the doorman, I said, why do you think these people are being f- so friendly to you and they want to know your name? So that you won't ask them for, for their, their ID, report. <laughs> for their ID the next time and yeah. they can give their ID to their buddy. Yeah. You know? Exactly. So, oh, uh, wow, wow. That's interesting. Right? I mean, if a if, if guy comes in mm-hmm. and says, hey, uh, Charlie, how you doing? It's very difficult to say, yeah, I'm doing great. Can I see your ID? It's very difficult. But you always had very good security yes. at Coogan's. Yes. And that's important. Because I mean, we hire people who've already proved that they can do it and they're not interested in proving it again. They're, right. they're adults. Sure. Yep. Yeah, that's a big difference yes. too. It's You're, a different type of place. I think that's the one thing that's coming across here. You know, it's um, it's more than a restaurant. It's more than a bar. It's uh, it's this community center. Um, it's it's a command po- temporary command post if you're uh, on overtime. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> need to be found. <laughs> You get those calls, uh, by the way. Hey, it's Cannon and the bar. Somebody's wife. How many? How many uh, between the two places, man? Which one was worse? Your place, because you got all the cops there. The cops' wives calling up. Is my husband there? 
You get those or the other place that uh, downtown? Jimmy Days. <laughs> Jimmy Days we did, yeah. We, we, I, Nobody does that anymore, right? Not with the cell phones? Cell phones, yeah. So yeah. that and uh, uh, we lost our great Thursday nights when you all, when you guys all went to that uh, automatic uh, oh, uh, pay thing. Right, they used to, I used to, even oh, when yeah, I was on a job, yeah, guys yeah. used to go to the check cashing places yeah. to cash their check. Yeah. Detective Pat, I was like, what are you doing? Why don't you go to direct deposit? He goes, I want to feel the knot. <laughs> I go, yeah. And we felt <laughs> some of that knot. Yeah, and then they would uh, spend half the knot yeah, at yeah. Coogan's, right? Yeah, man. There was a lot of explaining to do, man, when we went Thursday to direct deposit. Thursday night used to be our biggest night of the week. We used to have a, uh, back in the 80s and 90s, we had a great, great thing going. Everybody met at Coogan's at the bar uh, from about 8 o'clock to like 11 o'clock. Yeah spent a good portion of their money, and then they all went up to Bakerfield in uh, Inwood, right. which was on 215th Street, and 2 o'clock in the morning, Bakerfield would be uh, a, a, a madhouse. They'd be rolling <laughs> in the streets out there. Oh, wow. And uh, we'd have the money, they'd have the problems. Hey, let me ask you a question. We, we talked a lot about uh, the, the, the cops going in there and the hot girls. How many people do you uh, think... No, no, let's correct this, Mark. You, you talked about uh, <laughs> the cops and the hot girl. How many? How I'm many, a married man for 35 uh, years. How many? How many couples do you think came out? How many people got married after they met a lot. Now he's ready to take credit before that. Yes, that's exactly. <laughs> right. So there has always been a thing for Irish American cops and Dominican girls, no doubt about uh -huh. it. And. Uh, we have uh, witnessed many, many people who have met at, in fact, I made you. Carlos, um, a lot of Carlos O'Malley's. Yeah. <laughs> that works nicely. Back, back in the day, uh, they used to call them war brides. It was nice. It crazy. Uh, he met a war bride up in the Heights. A lot of people met uh, at Coogan's uh, and went on to marry, start families. Mm -hmm. and, Were you considering becoming a reverend so you could marry them? Or? Uh, as a matter of fact, I had not, but you know what? That's not <laughs> That's a bad right. idea. We actually have uh, a neighborhood guy who's a judge who, uh, on occasion, uh, we've uh, asked him to perform the ceremony, and he uh, wow. comes in and does it. When we speak to Peter Walsh when he comes on the show, what will Peter Walsh say about you? Oh, that's like a Barbara Walters well, question. No. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting good, I'll, Phil. I'll tell <laughs> you, the, the, I think what Peter will say was, as I feel about him, it's pretty incredible that you can get two Irish-American guys from a sort of similar background, uh, both a little on the volatile side, right, <laughs> who can be partners all these years, and we've never had a fight. That's fantastic. We've never had a fight. That's you must argue, though. You can't agree. We have, different, we have difference of opinions, but uh, uh, if I feel it's very important to him, I give in. If he feels it's very important to uh, 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 me, he'll give in. Now you're the, basically you're the, we'll you're the, the, meat, you're the meat thermometer guy. What is his role? Uh, Peter does a lot of things at Coogan's that uh, are are seen in the front of the house and in the back of the house. But um, uh, would you say he's more of the personality? Absolutely, absolutely. So he, you uh, you defer. Peter to has that. been blessed with a very very bad memory of people's names, so he can go and greet <laughs> everybody without feeling awkward about not knowing their names. <laughs> mm -hmm. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> you know that's a that's a it's it's a gift to remember people's names. It is. That is a gift, uh, which I'm not good at either. But uh, I tell you one thing: there are people out there that they never ever forget your name. You tell it to them once. And they always That's remember. That's a talent. That is and a let really me tell you something talent. about those people. They're freaking annoying. They <laughs> never, ever, hey, Mark, how are you, Mark? Are you okay, Mark? They'll say it a thousand times. Yeah. And I'm like, you can't, I can't there remember. There is a class you can take in uh, remembering people's names. And one of the things they do is to tell you to use the name, once you hear it, mm. to use it three times very rapidly. Yeah, that's a good idea, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a little awkward in a conversation. Well, there was a lady downtown, uh, Asian lady. She had the, the little uh, breakfast shop right across the street from the... <laughs> I know it's coming. Right across the street from criminal court. So if you had a collar or you had to go to court, you go across the street, get your egg sandwich. And that, my partner told me once, tell your name once and she'll never forget it. And sure enough, I went in there. How could I help? What's your name? I said, Mayo. She, and the next day, it was like six months later, hey, Mayo, how are you? I couldn't believe it, man. Wow. What a, There's people with a gift. And she wasn't annoying with it, by the way. Oh, she that, was that, that is a gift. But most people that, that do remember names, they're very annoying with it. They never let you forget. I can remember what you drank. Oh, really? You know, if you're the That's Coors Light guy, if you're the, yeah. you know, yeah. the doers and water guy. Uh -huh. 
Yeah, I get, I get you. Yeah, I'm um right now I'm a Tito's with club soda, but I used to be a bourbon guy. I had to get off that. Now I'm getting it off altogether. Cause I had Since yesterday. Yeah, well, we're not. Yesterday, yeah. It's not <laughs> even Twelve a day. hours. It's not even a day. Now, Dave, you have uh, you have kids? I have uh, three uh, uh, kids. Uh, well, they're all adults now. Uh, Doyle, Thomas, Jose, and Kate. Oh, I thought you were going to say Jose, Maria, and Pedro. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. That was good. You're thinking on your feet there. Now, none of your my, kids went into wife, the restaurant business? All of them have worked at Coogan's. They've all worked at Coogan's. Yeah. As has Peter. All Peter's kids have worked at no Coogan's. Kidding. And all Tessa's kids have worked at Coogan's. Do they have a meeting and say, this is how we're going to take the place from our dads? <laughs> none of them have long-term interest in it. No. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot of work, man. It's a tough business. You know why? Because when when you close the doors down, it will close at night. And you you're a bar, so you're doing four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. But every night you do that, no, right? They can stay open till four o'clock every uh, night. I would say usually they can wrap things up around three thirty. Even want to hit some, to get out of there at four o'clock. When, they, when there's the last two people there, you ever want to grab a bat and just hit them in the head with it? <laughs> the fuck out! No, because you, at that time of night, you can't ask people to go to two places. So if they come in at uh, 1 o'clock at night and they want to have a conversation and talk and it's lingering on, mm-hmm. you can't say, oh, listen, you're the only two people in the place. Let's go. Without, because yeah. you can't ask them to go to another place at that time. You've mm-hmm. got to let them have their uh, thing. So but when it closes, it closes, right? Yeah, yeah, 4. But he's coming in at probably 4 in the morning to do the day shift, right? Who, me? Yeah. No, no, no. I, well, I, you do the deliveries, right? Don't they come super early in the morning? I check the invoices and I... They don't come super early. They usually come between uh, 9 and uh, noontime. Oh, okay. So you're not coming that early. Being at, you're, you're what, 70 years old now? Yes, just turned 70. Being at this age, and you look back upon no, your life. No, fact, I'm like 70 and a half now. 70 and a half. Look, being 70 years old, looking back upon your life, are you happy with where you wound up? Totally happy with it. Mm-hmm. Totally happy You with wouldn't it. do it any other way. I wouldn't take a chance of changing anything. There's many things you think you might change, but that may also change something else along the way. Sure, so sure. I wouldn't well, rock the boat. I'm very happy. What time do you open in the morning? 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock. So if I come in there at 11 o'clock and I go right to the bar and I order a drink, do you think I'm weird? No. You don't think it's no. a little bit too early to drink? No, because right, we are we are used to people who have all sorts of crazy uh, hours. Uh, hours yeah. you know. yeah. mm-hmm. I just need to know that. Do you serve breakfast? <laughs> Uh, only on Saturday and Sunday. Oh, nothing to do. Oh, you got the brunch thing? Yes, we op- but we open at 11. So yeah. I don't know if you are there, that. Uh, you got any major events that you want to plug that, that are happening there? I do. So I told you that uh, uh, Aquafina's show, Nora from Queens, is uh, starting, uh, uh, I believe, Tuesday night. And one of the, I don't know which episode I'm it is. I'm excited to see that, yeah. That sounds also cool. Also on January 30th, oh, this plays into the police thing. Uh, January 30th, the episode of SUV... Uh, SVU. SVU. Social Victims Unit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Law and Order SVU uh, uh, was filmed in Coogan's, and I think it has a pretty prominent uh, part in it. And uh, it has a, a good plot because it's the retirement dinner of uh, a policeman. So all the major characters came. That's Ice-T great. was there. Mariska oh, Hargitay cool. was That's there. That's a great episode. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you know the show The Wire... But they Love did, the wire, and that actor was just in the other. The guy they, who plays Omar. They did. Uh, oh, he's great. Yeah. They did a show about McNulty retiring and a bunch of. Loved I, it. I had tears running up watching. Loved it. You know the bagpipes and and it was they were all telling stories and it was so real. I was like, wow, that was amazing. Mm-hmm. And the writers and the guy who um, nobody did anything like that for me when I retired. <laughs> nobody even cared. <laughs> like, I told somebody I, I'm retiring tomorrow. They're like, dude, you stopped working here like 20, 20 years ago. <laughs> I thought you retired ten years ago. No, but that's what Coogan's like a lot when people were leaving and retiring. They may even just bring twenty guys oh, out that's for drinks. The place. Right? No, that's the place to do it. Yeah. I mean, if you're gonna re- have a retirement party, you should have it at Coogan's. I mean, obviously, there's there's good bars all around the city, and depending on where you work, you command. But if you're in Manhattan North, I mean, that's the place. That's the place, yeah. I you can't know? believe people from Brooklyn are like, "What's Coogan's? We, what?" You know, we have uh, uh, at least on one occasion stands out, but I think we did it at least twice. Closed down the whole restaurant for a retirement. Uh, wow, for, that's a big, yeah. that's a yeah, big that's thing. Maybe three hundred people. That's excellent. We wanted to actually go there and do. Um, Maybe film this uh, on remote, and then we thought a better idea is to actually record this here, and then go out there and, and do a B roll, as they call yeah. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do a B roll and, and and check out that burger of yours and excellent. 
maybe sample a little bit of uh, try that that Guinness thing that the you perfect have perfect pint. Two, 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 week, two but minutes. But you don't more. drink anymore, at least since last night. A little bit. It'll be for the show. I mean, I can't. I do I mean, anything for the show. Yeah, it's, <laughs> honey, it's, it's part of my business. I can't. That's the one thing about yeah. It's tough. Uh, it's gonna be tough. But yeah, listen, I'm gonna do it until I go to Jamaica in March. So my whole thing is if I can go without a drink until March. Well, I think it's 20 years. Well, who's you sound exhausted even thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, one minute at a time. Well, thank God we can still do drugs. I didn't say I wasn't going to do drugs. <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. I don't do drugs. It's a cop show. <laughs> but uh, cop yeah, it's going to be it's going to be tough. I won't smoke as many cigarettes either because the only time I smoke is if I'm having a drink. Yeah. And, you know. Well, then that's the time to give it up. You don't yeah, smoke, yeah. right, then? No. I did for many, many years, and I gave it up about 35 years ago. What? That, the, the, the night that, was it a special night to remember the, the reason why you gave up 35 years ago? Story where it is, but it won't be told on film. <laughs> so you quit smoking and drinking the same night? Uh, no, after I got sober, I... Uh, uh, about six months later, my next uh, self-improvement project was the cigarette. Cigarette, and then you get fat because you eat more, yeah, right? Exactly. You quit smoking, uh -huh. then you got to eat, replace it. With but in answer to your other question, right where I am now, perfect. Yeah. So for our audience, one more time: if you're visiting New York City and you're from out of town and you want to visit the landmark uh, of Coogan's, it's on 169th Street in Broadway, right across the street from uh, Presbyterian Hospital. And uh, if you go at nighttime. Uh, there's a good chance that you could find a handsome young police officer if you're looking to get married. <laughs> you're looking to marry a cop. <laughs> if you need health insurance, bad. <laughs> and you, uh, if you're somewhere in the neighborhood of a C cop, maybe a, a D, <laughs> double D, you'll have no problem meeting the husband. <laughs> a lot of people going on this 90-day fiancé show. Screw that, man. Just Go come to right Coogan's. to Coogan's. Yeah. Right to Coogan's. There's, a future cop. there's a future cop waiting for you right there right now. <laughs> you know it's amazing when you talk about how life comes full circle it's funny I, like I met you in the late 70s early right. 80s and then years later I heard you were working at Pete's Tavern where I used to attend yep. law and my over my John Reynolds was great sure. friends with you sure. and then I run into you at Coogan's in the 80s and all the 90s actually in 2000s sure. it's just that's life right uh -huh. it's, a, it's unbelievable you know? yeah I mean talk about being a uh, a local celebrity man, you're like the king up there too. I mean, and one, one of the uh, uh, detectives from the 33rd precinct I knew when he was a bouncer at Trudy Heller's down wow. in the village, yeah, so even before wow. he went on the police force. Well, we had a really nice episode, I think, and we, we Two definitely, episodes. yeah, yeah. Well, I'm talking about this one in particular. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed them both, I think this was a, a great uh, thing for our show. It, it just goes to show you how there's so, like, there's so many different uh, things happening here in New York City, and yet it's still a simple town in a way. You know, Small you, town. Yeah, if you're up there, yeah. if you're up there in, in Washington Heights, or if you're in Inwood, or if you're in Harlem, a Manhattan North cop, a nurse, a doctor, a firefighter, you got, I'm sure you get a lot of firefighters up there too, right? Yes, we do, yeah. Corrections too, they come in there, don't they? Well, like I say, they're not as recognizable as it was in the 80s. Yeah, you, right, could, right. you could pick these guys out uh, uh, pretty easily, and now it's all a blend, and it represents the uh, the mosaic of the city. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm in the academy all the time. And women. We, we yeah. have... Female uh, uh, cops, yeah. 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 That's a big difference. I'm sure you saw that, uh, too, a big transition there. All right, so uh, any part words? Well, I'm just thinking that these two episodes with Dave were so good. I, I don't know how Peter Walsh is going to do uh, a better... He'll sing. <laughs> That's right, he's a good singer. He can sing us a few Irish songs, right? Yeah, I love those songs. Oh, oh, he'll have to sing. You get a lot of... Uh, uh, I guess, since you have so many parties up there, right? You, got the, you must have the, uh, the backpipe. They play the backpipes in there, right? The first Monday of March, the Ancient Order of Hibernians always does a big event at uh, uh, Coogan's, and there's almost always a piper. Uh, no kidding. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, one of the years, this is going back probably before your time, the head of the uh, uh, pipe band uh, was uh, Finbar Devine. Yes, I remember. Yes. Famous Irish guy. Yes. He had that big uh, and, uh, stick, right? He used to call. Oh, he was a monster staff, of a guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, he used to come and, uh, you know, pipe the uh, guests. You guys keep the shillelagh behind the bar in case someone gets disorderly? It's a Louisville slugger, but... Uh, <laughs> uh, old school, man. I thought you would have the, the Dublin shillelagh, you know, just for the history. <laughs> Damn, man. I'm so... Uh, I would love to have one of those Guinnesses right now. <laughs> 
Normally, I wouldn't think about drinking until the night, but now that I quit, <laughs> I could think about it. <laughs> All right, so I wanted to, uh, on behalf of Police Off the Cuff, man, you are now in the Hall of Fame, Dave. Well, thank you very much. It was an absolute the pleasure. Off the cuff Hall of Fame. Absolute Absolutely. pleasure. You are thank now you. in the, the police, uh, police Off the Cuff Hall of Fame, which is uh, it's, it's a big deal. Uh, there are a lot of cops there. Uh, they want to get in here, and now we have the proprietor, man, the guy who uh, helps us all out, especially in time of need. It gives back to the community. Uh, when's the run of Those scholarships. One more thing before we go. Do you have teams? Do you guys uh, sponsor teams and stuff? No. No, you don't do that? Well, we sponsor the Michael Music Little League. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, uh, I mean, team, you know, you go and you go back to the winner's bar. and you know, No, I'm talking, yeah, yeah, like, you know, no. I'm talking about the... the, the uh, like you talked about, the Custom. Little League, Little, little, little League, league yes, and we, stuff yes, like that. Yes, yeah, yeah, oh, that, do, yeah, that's cool. So you're giving a lot back to the community I up think, there, man. I uh, think we have, that. that's another whole story, our relationship with the Michael Busick Little League. Uh, mm. Michael Busick being the police officer shot, killed, killed yeah. uh, 1988. Uh, uh, but I think we are the longest continuous sponsor of a team in the Michael Busick Little League. And that's through Johnny Moynihan. That's fantastic, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's definitely great. That's definitely. It's funny great. how we all know the same people, right? It's pretty good. Yeah, mm -hmm. I like that. There was something I wanted to, uh, to leave with, man. I always forget, but um, I guess I'm gonna forget again. <laughs> I had a good time though, man. And if you're up, uh, if if you're visiting New York City, like I said, go visit Coogan's. It's a landmark. It's our cheers, man. And uh, you know they do have a page uh, or uh, on they're on Facebook, so you definitely yes, gotta, Coogan's yeah, yeah, NYC. Find it on, find it on yeah, Facebook. You got to post this on the Coogan's website yeah. because a lot of people will watch it. You know this yeah. is on YouTube, and it's, we put it out on Facebook. I am technologically challenged, yeah. but I will speak to those who. Yeah. I want to come up there, man. I want to come up there and do that B-roll. We got to do that. Uh, Excellent. You know, Excellent. We'll look forward to it. All right, thanks, Dave. Thank and uh, here we are. We're uh, saying the end of he tour. He was the politically incorrect one, not me. We're saying end of tour. <laughs> over now from Police Off the Cuff. Have a great week.